Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist and the Voice of Compliance, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on the current state of compliance, issues, and challenges, where I visit with Terry Orr, the Managing Director at Kroll, a division of Duff & Phelps. Kroll is the sponsor of this podcast series. In this podcast series, we visit with Terry about his professional background, the current state of compliance through the lens of recent FCPA enforcement actions, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs 2019 guidance. We consider some of the specific issues for compliance in the private equity arena and the increased importance of compliance in the ever-changing healthcare space. First, a word about our sponsor, Kroll and Duff & Phelps. Kroll is a Leading provider of risk solutions for more than 45 years, Kroll has helped clients make confident risk management decisions about people, assets, operations, and security through a wide range of investigations, cybersecurity, due diligence, and compliance, physical and operational security, and data and information management services. For more information on Kroll, visit Kroll's website, www.kroll.com. Duff and Phelps, the parent of Kroll is the global advisor that protects, restores, and maximizes value for clients in the areas of valuation, corporate finance, investigations, disputes, cybersecurity compliance, regulatory matters, and other government-related issues. Duff & Phelps works with clients across diverse sectors, mitigating risk to assets, operations, and people. With Kroll, a division of Duff & Phelps since 2004, the firm has nearly 3,500 professionals in 28 countries around the world more information on Duff & Phelps, visit their website, www.duffandphelps.com. In this episode, we take a look at recent FCPA enforcement actions and what they portend for the compliance practitioner and compliance programs going forward. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode with Terry Orr. T- uh, today, we're going to take a look at some recent FCPA investigations and enforcement actions and see what lessons can be drawn from those. And I'm very interested to see not only which cases Terry picks, but the cases, uh, the way he uh, explains them. So, Terry, first of all, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Terry, the uh, uh, I think FCPA enforcement actions are one of the great treasure troves of information for the compliance practitioner. Uh, not only do they detail the fact patterns of the fraud, in this case, bribery and corruption, but also a wealth of information about how a compliance practitioner can uh, put best practices in place. So I wondered if I could maybe start with uh how you see best practices not only uh, play out in enforcement actions, but how they're the t- determined as well. Thanks, Tom. Um, you know, to that point, I was recently talking with an international client about best practices, and the client asked, how are best practices determined, which I thought was a great question. My response was, best practices are developed by what is learned from and the corrective actions taken because of failed practices. The findings and recommended corrective actions in the DOJ's past investigations often become the standard for what is expected as best practices going forward. Terry, I was wondering if you might uh, use that as a jumping off point then to highlight some of the Department of Justice settlements in 2018 that you feel have made a a really significant practice, uh, excuse me, significant impact on best practices going forward. Um, Certainly be happy to do so. 
Uh, in going through the examples that I'm about to discuss, there's much more to these cases than the points I'm highlighting. I'm highlighting points that I believe may require a change in compliance design as a result of the DOJ's findings. Additionally, as a reminder, the definition of a bribe is the offering or paying or the authorizing the offering or payment of anything of value to obtain or retain business. And I think that last point is uh, something that I saw in some of the cases I want to discuss. All of these matters that I'm going to discuss involve some type of bribery. So the first one is Stryker. Stryker uses a hub-and-spoke distributor um, distribution system in China. Bribes were paid by distributors in the network to get government contracts. Stryker vetted distributors in the distributor network through the first two layers, the initial distributor and second distributors that the initial distributor used. The DOJ's findings were that Stryker should have vetted distributors to the fifth level of distributors. This is a significant expansion of the vetting process I've seen most companies employ and results in a significant change in what might be considered best practices. The second um, case I'd like to highlight is Societe Generale. It's not uncommon for companies to pay an agent for introductions to government officials. Societe Generale paid an agent an introductory fee between one and a half and three percent for various introductions resulting in work for the company. The concern in paying fee, agents' fees is that they use the fee to bribe government officials. A fee of one and a half to three percent in and of itself generally does not seem unusually high. However, the agent in this case was ultimately paid approximately $20 million. A sum large enough to be used for pain bribes, which ultimately was the case. The DOJ indicated that besides looking at the percentage of the fee Associate General agreed upon, they should have looked at the amount of the fee that ultimately could have been paid the agent. I think this is again something that um, companies need to consider in developing their compliance programs and the amount of fees that. Uh, might be paid to agents. The third case uh, is Polycom. Polycom provided significant discounts to Chinese, excuse me, Chinese distributors and retailers, supposedly because of competition. However, the dis discounts were used to pay bribes to government officials. It's not unusual for um, compliance programs to look at Discounts may be paid to distributors, but the fact that uh, retailers were used in this case uh, as part of the bribery process, I think, again, uh, identifies an expansion of a compliance program uh, that needs to be considered. Vantage Drilling, uh, an independent director of Vantage Drilling, was provided funds and reimbursements, which he used to pay bribes to bring in drilling contracts. Again, I think it's uh, a new finding, kind of new that uh, distributors um, were used in the bribing process and, again, uh, provides an expansion of uh, consideration in a compliance program.
Beam Suntory paid government bribes to obtain favorable shelf space. This falls in the category of paying bribes to retain business. And I think this is something that uh, isn't necessarily expansion, but certainly something that should be considered uh, more frequently. Uh, another case of retaining business is that of Dun & Bradstreet. Dun & Bradstreet sources much of its data from public sources, but in China, its subsidiary used third-party agents to make unlawful payments to obtain confidential data vital to Dun & Bradstreet's business as a provider of business financial information. Again, the use of uh, bribes to retain business, I, I see as something on the horizon that we might see more of. Terry, the um, really great insights, uh, it's, I always find it fascinating uh, when uh, people look at these cases because we all come to it from our different perspectives, obviously mine with a legal perspective, uh, legal professional background. Um, I tend to look at things in that light, but I guess the, the case that you highlighted, I wanted to just see uh, get a few more words on was Stryker. Um, it was a, a relatively small uh, FCPA fine and penalty, yet the information provided, I think, may be one of the most significant expansions of what is required of a corporate compliance program. And you, you, I think, correctly noted that it's a, it requires a significant expansion of the vetting process, but it also provides information to the compliance practitioner about a changing risk uh, landscape. And now we have uh, the government, uh, through the striker enforcer action, really telling compliance professionals, you have to look much more closely at uh, really everyone down in your chain. And as as difficult as that may be for compliance practitioners to get their arms around, uh, both people like you and me uh, in the market um, are going to respond, uh, I think, with uh, ways for companies to do that. Would you s see that to be a fair assessment? Uh, I do. I think that the government, uh, through Stryker, is – uh, set the best practices, the, the tone for uh, the level of uh, vetting that needs to be done and in foreign markets, especially with the kind of hub-and-spoke distributor uh, distribution systems that are often in place around the world. It, it requires uh, a lot more uh, vetting, a lot more work, and I think uh, uh, is, is a clear expansion of what people currently are doing. Terry, we're nearly, uh, uh, I'm almost uh, loathe to admit it, but we're nearly halfway through 2019. But um, uh, based upon what you saw in 2018 and perhaps even uh, the first nearly half of this year, uh, what do you see for the second half of this year and perhaps uh, a little bit further down the road? Well, I, I, I see more of the same in that the DOJ will expand the boundaries of what should be covered by a company's compliance programs, who is responsible for implementation of a healthy compliance program. This is evidenced in the G DOJ's recent guidance for evaluating corporate compliance programs. Terry, unfortunately, we're near the end of uh, our time, but you stole my thunder because you really talked about what our next topic will be, which in our next episode, we're going to take a look at the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs uh, 2019 uh, Guidance from the Department of Justice. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. 
Well, everyone, this is Tom Fox. I hope you will join us again tomorrow for our next episode. Once again, if you have any questions on Kroll, you can check out their website, www.kroll.com. This special five-part podcast presentation on the current state of compliance, issues and challenges, is sponsored by Kroll. It's a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network, and it's also available through the C-Suite Radio. Thank you for listening. I look forward to visiting with you tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.